Welcome to the official podcast of Apostolic Lighthouse. We'd like to thank you for listening today. We pray this message blesses you and encourages you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. So we're continuing on with our Back to Basics uh, series just to get to foundational uh, teachings. And we've talked about... uh, Several things already. We talked about the new birth. We talked about the gospel, uh, which basically the, the new birth and repentance, and, and uh, we've talked about the importance of the church and, and so forth. And now tonight, I would like to teach on the subject: Who is Jesus Christ? Who is Jesus Christ? And we'll open up uh, with uh, three verses in Matthew chapter sixteen to start this off. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. Uh, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And so... First, he asked, like, what's the word on the street? Like, what are people saying about who I am? And there was all kinds of things. And by this time, John the Baptist had been executed by King Herod. So so some believe that he was John the Baptist, you know, risen from the dead. Some believe that he was one of the Old Testament prophets come back to life, like Elijah or Jeremiah. And there was all kinds of, you know, the Pharisees believed he was something... And uh, these people believed he was something. Uh, But I think the more important question that he wanted to know from his inner circle, from his apostles, his disciples, he said, who do you say that I am? Because that's very important. So for those that believe in God, for those that are walking with him as Christians, um, who we say that he is, is the most important thing. We need to understand who is Jesus Christ. Now, the old, let's just start in the Old Testament first. The Old Testament is very clear that there's only one God and there's none beside him. Amen. And we've got to establish that first before we get to the New Testament to understand who Jesus is. And so Deuteronomy 6.4 said, Hear, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. So, so uh, in the Old Testament, God was one. And, you know, the Lord our God was one Lord. He wasn't two Lords or three Lords. He was one Lord manifest in different ways uh, during different times. Isaiah 44, 24, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, and he who forms you from the womb, I am the Lord who makes all things, who stretches out the heavens all alone, who spreads abroad the earth by myself. So that's important. So God said, uh, and and he's using uh, personal pronouns that are singular. He said, I am the Lord, and I stretch the heavens all alone by myself and and spread above the earth by myself. So he's talking singular, uh, you know, and there's no one else there. Amen. Isaiah 44, 6, Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, and I am the last, 
and beside me there is no God. Now this is pretty plain. I am the first, I am the last. So then, so he's talking about, you know, there's nothing on the other side of first, there's nothing on the other side of last. And he said, beside me there is no God. I'm the only one. And so this, so and we could go on and on, but we don't have time and I don't want to keep you here all night. We can go on and on with all kinds of Old Testament scriptures that God is one. Amen. Absolutely one. Not a cluster of one, not a group of one, but one. And he's using those I and me and I was alone. I'm by myself when I did things. There's none beside me. And so this one God, this one invisible, indivisible God, he also said that there was no Savior beside him. Okay? This is the Old Testament God who's the spirit who you couldn't see. He said there was no Savior beside him. Isaiah 59, 16, uh, and God said he saw that there was no man and he wondered. He was shocked that there was no intercessor. There was, no, there was nobody to get in between the people and God. You know, he sent prophets. They did the best they could. Therefore, he said, his arm brought salvation unto him. So that one God in the Old Testament his arm is the salvation. He's the Savior. And then this one's very clear. Isaiah 43, 11, I, even I, am the Lord, or Jehovah, and beside me there is no Savior. So you see, when Jesus came along in the New Testament, he was called the Savior uh, of the world and all that stuff, and, and people started, you know, maybe started getting a little confused here and there. He said, well, I thought the Old Testament said that, you know, Jehovah, the Father, he said, I'm the Savior. Jesus said, I'm the Savior. And that's that's key to understanding who is Jesus Christ. Amen. He wasn't another Savior. He was the one Savior. Now, the Old Testament also foretold that this one true, invisible, and indivisible God would become a man so that he could be the ultimate sacrifice and die for our sins. Isaiah 7, 14, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive. Some of these verses we use at Christmas time, but they're year-round stuff to, to show who Jesus is. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and he shall be called, he shall, they should call his name Emmanuel. Now the word, the name Emmanuel means God with us. That Old Testament God that said I was alone and by myself, he was with us in the form of a human being named Jesus Christ, born of a virgin. Amen. Now, how that all happened, very uh, mysterious. How that all happened, it's hard for our finite minds to comprehend, but it happened. Amen. Somehow, God, the Spirit of God was the Father, Mary was the mother, and out came what we refer to as the Son of God. Amen. Now, Isaiah 9, 6 for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. So this child, this son that was born, this baby, amen, would grow up to be referred to as the Everlasting Father and the Mighty God. That's, that's not uh, very hard to uh, misunderstand to me, amen. Micah 5.2, but you, Bethlehem, talking about the town that this foretold where Jesus would be born. Now, the, the parents were from Nazareth, 
And later on, we'll read that the Pharisees, uh, you know, because they didn't understand, they thought he was born in Nazareth. And uh, that was one of the sticking points when there were people flocking to Jesus. And, uh, and the Pharisees said one time, they said, look, look and see in the Old Testament. There was no prophet. There was no Messiah prophesied to come from Nazareth. But if they would have done their homework, maybe, you know, got a good journalist to dig up some stuff, uh, they would have found out that Jesus was born in Bethlehem which fulfilled Micah 5.2. But you, Bethlehem Ephrata, though you are little, Bethlehem was a very small town. It was called the city of David because that's where uh, you know, David was from. Though you are little among the thousands of towns in Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. So the baby born in Bethlehem, he wasn't just, he didn't just start he started his earthly ministry, or not his earthly ministry, he was 30 when he started that, but he started his earthly journey, amen, in Bethlehem, but he was from old, from everlasting, because of his father, amen. And that brings us to the text passage again. So Jesus, you know, he, he asked, you know, who do, who do men say that I am? You know, and some say you're, the, you're, you're a prophet, you're John the Baptist, written from the dead. Who do you say that I am? Amen. And we find that if we kept reading in Matthew 16, we would find Peter was the only one of the apostles that answered that question. And uh, Peter said unto him, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. You're God in human form. You're Jehovah. You're the Father in visible form. And then Jesus you know, uh, commended his answer. He said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this understanding to you, but my father, which is in heaven. And folks, there's a lot of things that come by revelation in the Bible. And one of them is understanding who Jesus Christ is. Amen. He said, he said, Peter, uh, you know, you didn't come to that understanding on your own. My father in heaven gave it to you. And that's why I pray all the time when I'm talking to people about, about who Jesus is and then you know, they may have a different viewpoint or this, I pray for them. God, open their eyes. God, give them revelation. Amen. Because once somebody has revelation, amen, I'm telling you, their eyes will be open and they'll never look at Jesus again the same way. Amen. So our understanding of who Jesus is has a huge impact on the success of our walk with God. Because think about it. If somebody thinks that Jesus is uh, like, you know, there are some out there that believe that Jesus is just one of the angels that God created. So if I just think he's an angel, then he can only do so much for me. If I think uh, he's, uh, you know, just a good man or, you know, a good prophet or he was just a good teacher, then he can only do so much for me. But if I understand that he was almighty God and he is almighty God manifest in human form, amen, that he can, he, everything that, that God said he was and could do, Jesus can, is and can do, amen. So it's, it's, it's uh, our understanding not only has a huge impact on our success of our walk with God, but it has eternal ramifications. John 17, three, notice this. Jesus said, and this, this was his prayer. He, in John 17, records his prayer 
in the Garden of Gethsemane because as a human being, he, he had to pray. Because the Bible said, uh, unto thou, thou that hearest prayer, uh, in the Old Testament, unto thee all flesh shall come. So a lot of people say, well, now when Jesus prayed, was that God praying to God? No, it wasn't God praying to God. It was the human side of Jesus. Remember, he said, not my will, but thy will be done in that prayer. Because his human side, you know, had to be put down, put, put to, off to the side and let the will of God be done. So in this prayer, he said, and this is eternal life. Because, you know, we're all interested in eternal life, right? I mean, that's why we're here. That's why we're in this. I want to go to heaven. Amen. I want to spend forever with Jesus. And this is eternal life, that they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So our understanding of the relationship between God and the man Jesus Christ, that is eternal life. It's important for us to understand that. Amen. You know, the Pharisees, they, they tried to corner Jesus. They tried to trick him and trip him up with all these questions. And uh, I, I, I don't have this in my notes, but I'm just thinking about it right now. But in, in John chapter 8, uh, they, they were telling him, and, he, and Jesus was, they were talking about their father, Abraham. Hey, we, we, we follow our father, Abraham. And he said, he goes, oh, really? He goes, well, your father, Abraham, rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. And then they said, they were scratching their head like, wait a minute, Abraham's been dead for a year, like thousands, a couple thousand years. He said, he said, what do you mean? You're, he, he goes, they said, you're not even 50 years old. And uh, have you seen, you know, have you seen Abraham? He said, before Abraham was, I am. Amen. So that I am, that's not bad grammar. That takes you back to the voice that came out of the burning bush that spoke to Moses. When Moses asked, who should I say? to the Pharaoh that sent me. And you tell, you tell the Pharaoh, I am that I am sent you. So Jesus was referring to his, his own, um, himself speaking as God from the burning bush. Yeah, Jesus, the man, did not pre-exist Bethlehem. Uh, he did not pre-exist uh, his birth, his natural birth, but he pre-existed as almighty God. Amen. So it's so important that we understand the true relationship between God and the man, Jesus Christ. Um, so he, he was more than a good man. He was more than a great teacher. He was more than a powerful prophet. And even though he, all, he was all of those things, he was much, much more than those things. 1 Timothy 3.16 tells us, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. And we know that there's a mystery in how you know, the incarnation, which means how did God and man come together in one being? Gee, there was never anybody else. Jesus, it is not, he wasn't just one of us. He didn't come just to be one of us. He was the only kind. He wasn't one of humankind. He was the only one of the only kind because nobody else, amen, had God as their father and a human as their mother. So without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Yes, Sometimes it's hard to understand how that all worked. And, it's, and it goes on to say, God was manifest in the flesh. The Old Testament, God who was invisible, who said he was by himself and alone and no God beside me. And he said he was the Savior. He was manifest in the flesh. He was justified in the spirit. He was seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on the world, received up in the glory. 
Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. So Jesus let us know unequivocally who he was. John 10 verse 30, he said, I and my father are one. You know, there was a few times that Jesus, like in, in John 8 and in John 10, he would say stuff like this. And the, I mean, they were picking up rocks to throw at him because he equated himself with God. He said, I'm, I'm you know, uh, the father's in me and I'm in the father. He equated. So I and my father are one. And then in John 14, 7, I love this because Jesus spoke a lot about his father. He spoke a lot about the spirit of God, God himself. And um, we see uh, that in John chapter 14, verse 7, Jesus said, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Now, God's a spirit. God's invisible. So Philip, you know, scratching his head. They were probably all scratching their head. Philip said unto him in response to that, Lord, show us the father and it'll be sufficient for us. Like, you know, what do you mean? You know him and have seen him. Like, show, you know, show, he, they just kind of went over their head. So he had to just be as, as blunt and as clean, as clear as possible. And so show us the Father, and we won't bug you anymore about the, you know, understanding the Father. We, and Jesus said unto him, have I, wait, I, I won't ask you to show us the Father. Have I been so long with you, and yet, yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father, so how can you say, show us the Father? Now, if that doesn't tell you all you need to know who Jesus is, Amen. I am the father in human form. What do you need? Amen. So Jesus was referred to as the image of the invisible God. Uh, he, in Colossians, he was the mediator between God and humanity in 1 Timothy. He was fully God and he was fully man. Amen. So that's why he could pray and he could answer prayers. Amen. That's why he could forgive sins, because only God could forgive sins. So he was fully God and fully man. So as man, he had to eat because, you know, we have to eat to survive. And as God, he fed 5,000 men and their families with a little boy's lunch. As man, he had to sleep. And he happened to be sleeping in the boat when a big storm came. And all the guys were going crazy, and they finally woke him up. Hey, don't you think uh, you should do something? We're going down. We're going to perish. And he said, peace, be still. So as a man, he had to sleep. And as God, he woke up on that storm-tossed boat that was, you know, taking on a lot of water with all kinds of exhausted uh, uh, apostles and, and disciples that were trying everything else but Jesus. Amen. And he calmed the, the wind of the sea. Amen. As a man, he had to pay taxes because, you know, the Roman Empire was in charge and see, everybody had to pay taxes to Caesar. In fact, that's why Joseph, because Joseph was from Bethlehem, that's why Joseph and Mary, the whole Christmas story, that's why they, he was over there to pay taxes because of Caesar. Amen. And so they tried to trip him up and they somebody went to Peter and said, hey, does, do you, does your master pay taxes? And, they, and he said, yeah, well, of course he does, I'm sure. And then he went and told, talked to Jesus. He goes, hey, I just told, a, told those guys that you pay taxes. Uh, 
Is that correct? You know, or whatever. And then he 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 said he said well uh, he said well you know he, he gave an answer that you know technically we don't need to, but he said we need to because you know they're going to get all over us. He said, don't give them any. Yeah, don't give them an inch. Don't give them any kind of ammo. So so as a man he had to pay taxes, but as God once Peter kind of committed him, he said okay Peter. So you and I are going to pay our taxes. You know how we're going to do it? You're going to go fishing. Uh, huh? Yeah, you're going to go fishing. And you're going to put a pole in the water, not a net, because, you know, they, they net fish sometimes. You're going to put a pole in the water, and the first fish that you hook up, you're going to find a piece of money, like a piece of gold in its mouth, and it's going to be enough to pay my taxes and your taxes. And you go ahead. And so he, sure enough, and probably Jesus had, you know, he knew, okay, he probably just, you know, because he's God. Peter's just driving up to the the, the the shore. He's getting his little bait hooked up on this hook and everything. And then all, the, all of a sudden, I believe, I kind of think in my kind of a wild imagination that that Jesus that Jesus uh, knew that like the, somebody had dropped a nice big expensive gold coin uh, in that Sea of Galilee sometime in the past. So Jesus said, okay, you little fishy over there, I don't know if it's a little uh, trout or what kind of Sea of Galilee fish, a crappie or, uh, uh, you know, a bass or something. Yeah, I want you, okay, go over there, swallow that up. All right, and then come over here. Peter's still, you know, hooking up and saying, so this fish is just like sitting there waiting. And then when that hook gets in, I want you to grab it. I don't, no other fish. And so God kept all other fish away from that hook, and he threw it in, and that, that, that fish, Got on the first fish that he caught up, and there was a piece of money in his mouth, and it was enough uh, to pay their taxes. Amen. Praise God. And as a man, he wept for his good friend Lazarus, who had just died. You know, and they didn't really put him in the ground. And those times, they, they kind of put him in, sometimes they did, but they put him in like little caves and put a rock over it and all that kind of stuff. So they went to the tomb. They said, they, they, went to the tomb and he said, show me where he's buried. And Jesus wept. John eleven thirty five. Two Two words. One of the smallest verses in the Bible. Jesus wept. If that isn't the humanity of Jesus, I don't know what is. Amen. So as man, he wept for his, you know, because, you know, and he knew what he was about to do. So why would he cry? Because he's, he's human. And he's God at the same time. So he cried for his dead friend. And then he wiped the tears from his eyes. And then he said, Lazarus, get out of there. You're not, you're not going to be dead. I need you to come here. I need to give you a hug. And they rolled the stone away. And here comes Lazarus, you know, hopping out of there. Because they wrapped him up in grave clothes like a mummy-looking thing. And uh, he comes hopping out of that cave. Probably people are, people are like, oh, passing out, fainting or whatever. And he, he, came, he came back to life. So as man... He cried for his friend, and as God, he raised him from the dead. Amen. So the Old Testament God, the Old Testament invisible, indivisible spirit, amen, had no blood and could not die. So when his arm had to bring salvation, in order to be a savior, he had to be the sacrificial lamb because all those sacrifices in the Old Testament, they only kind of temporarily rolled things forward Kind of like what they, what people say about kicking the can down the road. Like, hey, you know, this this fix is only going to be a kick the can down the road. It's not going to really fix things until the ultimate sacrifice happens. And he was, God became the man so he could become the Lamb of God. 
and take away the sin of all the world. So the Spirit of God who could not die and the Spirit of God who had no blood in order to become the ultimate sacrifice, the Lamb of God, amen, he became one of us. Acts 20, 28. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. Amen. Where did, when, you, when you answer the question, where did God get blood, then you'll know who Jesus Christ is. Amen. And Philippians 2, verse 6, talking about Jesus, who existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, amen, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. That's God manifest in the flesh. Amen. Praise God. And lastly, we see that Jesus, he put a face to God, so to speak, because God was invisible. Amen. John told us in chapter one of his gospel that he was invisible. Amen. And no man has seen God at any time. Even Moses, the meekest man on earth and that who God really, you know, uh, favored and, and uh, did a lot of things for. And, you know, he went up and got the Ten Commandments. He had to get them again because he had to break him the first time because of all what was going on. He got the plans to the tabernacle, the, the portable church in the wilderness, and he'd been with God very close and all the things he did for the exodus and stuff. And one time he, he said, he goes, God, I, I want to see you. Show me your glory. And he goes, you know what? If I show you my full glory, you'll die. He goes, well, can you show me something? You know, I'm paraphrasing. You know, and what he did was, he goes, I'll show you a little part of me. So he said, so he put Moses in the cleft of his rock. And the Bible said he covered over Moses so he couldn't see anything. And God passed by him and just, and he allowed Moses just to see kind of, if you think of the analogy of a comet, you know, like Halley's Comet, it's like those big comets that they're like a big glowing gas ball that's on fire and it's shoot through the sky. They only come through every once in a while, and then they kind of go down to like a tail. So God was like, he, you know, was like a comet going by Moses. And when it got down to the little tail, he, he let Moses see. And Moses, you know, was never the same again. You know, Moses' face shone like a light bulb, and people couldn't believe it. Amen. So Jesus, amen, the, 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 the power of God shone through the face of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of a knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So when we see Jesus, we see God. Amen. Praise God. So in other words, Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Who is Jesus Christ? He's God. Yeah, he, he was also a teacher. He was also a prophet. He was also the high priest. 
He was also the Lamb of God. He was also the root, the offspring of Jesse. He was also the bright and the morning star and the lion of the tribe of Judah, the first and the last, the beginning and the ending, the Alpha and the Omega, he which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty, amen, the eternal and the immortal and the invisible, the only wise God in whom glory and honor and dominion and power and majesty and might belongs to both now and forevermore, but above all things, he was God, the mighty God. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. And lastly, my last closing verse, 1 John 5.20. Amen. So we're getting down toward the, uh, the, the some of the last writings of John. And remember, John, out of all 12 apostles, he was the one closest to Jesus. Amen. He was there with Peter and James, uh, his brother, uh, at the Mount of Transfiguration. He was, he was there with Peter and James to go in and, uh, and uh, with him to heal that 12-year-old girl that was, had died and he rose, for, rose her from the dead. He was, they were there for different things, amen. But John, amen, had a special place. And when you read the Gospel of John, when you read 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and when you read Revelation, those were all written by the, the Apostle John, there was a special understanding that God had given John uh, of the love of God and who Jesus is. When you read the book of Revelation, you find out who Jesus is. But in toward the end of John's uh, uh, epistle in 1 John chapter 5, verse 20, he said, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us insight to know him who is true, talking about God. And we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. This one is the true God and eternal life. Now, what's, what is he talking about, this one? Amen. Well, that's the, the last uh, noun or subject mentioned. Amen. And the last noun or subject mentioned was his Son, Jesus Christ. So this one, amen, Jesus Christ is the one true God and eternal life. Praise God. Amen. And when you get to, when we get to heaven, you know, there's only one throne and one sitting on the throne. Amen. And Jesus, his body rose up from the dead. He appeared to apostles and a bunch of people. And then we see in Acts chapter one, he has set it up into heaven. Amen. His body ascended up and he's going to come back for his church in the air. Amen. And then he's going to come back in the second coming to stop Armageddon and to, to rescue Israel and to set up a millennial kingdom. Amen. But when we see the end, when we get down to Revelation 21 and 22, the very last two chapters of the Bible, we find, amen, that the city we're going to, that new Jerusalem, that wonderful, beautiful place, those mansions and all those things that he prepared for those who loved him. Amen. When we see that take place, he said there will be no need, amen, for, for light in that city, for the Lamb will be the light and Jesus will be on the throne. But, the, but you can't see, even, even when Jesus was on earth, all of God wasn't inside of Jesus. 
because he's too big. Amen. And that's why the, the, the voice, when he got baptized, the voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son, amen, in whom I am well pleased. I am well pleased dwelling in him right now. I'm walking in him. And that's why he said, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. I and my Father are one. When you see me, you see the Father. Amen. And he is God, manifest in flesh. Jesus, who is Jesus Christ? He's God. Amen. That's why we pray to him. Amen. It doesn't mean we, we, you know, we acknowledge the Father. We acknowledge the Holy Ghost. Amen. We acknowledge Jesus Christ. Amen. But these are manifestations of the one true God. Father in creation, Father of the nation of Israel, amen, Son in redemption, in salvation for us, amen, and the Holy Ghost in the church, in regeneration, living in our hearts, because Jesus said, I'm going to send another comforter back to you, and it's going to be the Holy Ghost, and he's going to show you all kinds of things, amen, praise God, Jesus walked with them in the, in the flesh during his earthly ministry. Amen. But the, he sent the Holy Ghost back so that he could, he could be in all of our hearts at the same time. Amen. What an incredible message. Thank you again for joining us on the podcast and may God bless you.